Let's start the Racing Rewind. After it's all done and dusted, the Correct Weight Racing Review. What a great day's racing it was at Sandown yesterday, predominantly on the lakeside circuit. Group 1 racing at Randwick in Sydney. Plenty to feast your eyes on. And then overnight, Damien Lane, if you haven't caught up with the news, winning one of the races worth $1.5 million on Saudi Cup night. So a worthwhile trip for, for Damien Lane to Saudi Arabia for that, uh, that race meeting. So I welcome in Brendan Delaney and Brad Bishop to the show. Firstly, good morning to you, Brendan. Good morning, Warren. How did you enjoy Blue Diamond Stakes Day? It was a cracking day. Crowd was from what we could see from the broadcast box and we're pretty much dictated to by who's in the grandstand and on the lawn. Looked really, really good. Uh, we didn't get a glimpse of those that were on top of us or underneath us and, uh, and behind us and the like, but, uh, there was a great feel around Sandown yesterday, albeit a little eerie sort of uh, feeling with that cloud cover that we had, uh, making it a quite a, a dull day. But nonetheless, the, the racing on the track, on the track, excuse me, didn't let us down. And um, no, it was a, a really entertaining day at Sandown, and great to be, you know, utilising one of the top two race tracks in the country, right up there alongside Flemington, uh, for a premier race meeting. Yeah, it's certainly a, a racing surface that, uh, from my point of view and from so many people's point of view, we need to preserve. Brad Bishop, I know you were front and centre out there and that the crowd spread across the lawn, as Brendan outlined it. Just looked like a, a lovely feel at the track yesterday and obviously that cloud cover, a little bit of drizzle, but I, I think in general a, a day that most people would have enjoyed their day even out in the open. Yeah, it was great to see Sandown get a day in the sun, well, so to speak, because it did get a little bit uh, wintry there towards the end of the day, but it was being promoted as the best meeting that Sandown's ever hosted, and I think it certainly lived up to that. We had the Oakley Plate, that rounded out the card in fantastic style. It was probably one of the better Oakley Plates we've seen. The Blue Diamond, there was a bit to unpack there. The Futurity, the class sort of prevailed there. We thought it was a race in three, and those three uh, squared off and uh, and fought out that contest and there was plenty to keep us interested throughout the day and interstate. So, um, yeah, it was a magnificent day and looking forward to discussing it now. A couple of races may have a, an impact on the All-Star Mile. We'll get to, to the review shortly, but voting closing tonight for the All-Star Mile and currently heading the voting is I Wish I Win, who's potentially an unlikely runner. He's going to have to back up two weeks from the new market and Peter Moody, a word of warning there. And then... The horses that, that dominate the market. I'm Thunderstruck, Alligator Blood, Mr. Brightside, Nugget. We know he's going there. The Inevitable, Tuvalu. They look pretty safe. Jackano, who's got to contest the, the Guineas next Saturday, gets pretty tight in the voting with Keats, She's a Belter, and a number of others around that 2,000 votes mark. I, I know, Brad, that the people from Keats are keen to get to the All-Star Mile, a very brave effort chasing the, the speed in a race that changed complexion yesterday. Although he's not necessarily racing at that elite level yet, you'd love to see a horse like Keats in the All-Star Mile without a go to blood, wouldn't you? 100%, Warren. Yesterday was a good example of what a horse like that would be able to bring to the uh, to the, a race like the All-Star Mile, which is basically put on to give horses like Keats an opportunity to run in the race. Now, is he going to figure in my trifecta? I can pretty much categorically say, no, he's not going to be in my top three. But he ran a good race yesterday, and he's going to create a lot of atmosphere around the day. I don't mind if one spot in the field's taken up by a horse like Keats. Um, that's why it's there. He, he, the 
um, the team from the mailbag are doing a fantastic job with their promotion of him. So I, for one, hope he gets his, his spot in the race and he's not going to disgrace himself. So um, I think it'll be fantastic if he, if he does get a run in the race. The inevitable, he's another case in point. Um, I, I think he's a better horse than Keats. Um, he is one that's generating quite a bit of publicity and attention down in Tassie as well. And he's racing in pretty good form too. So when you're talking about an all-star mile, I'm not going to be tipping either Keats or the inevitable, but I think they're the sort of horses that this race has been um, engineered for. And it'll be good if they do take their place there in a few weeks' time. We'll get to the Peter Young later, the, the race that Keats competed in yesterday. We'll start with the Group 1s was Blue Diamond Day and the Hayes Dynasty prevailed again with little bros it's the instructor with exploring moving up on the outside but steel city's trying for a run on the inner and got chopped out then extreme threat back behind them little bros then brave halos off cardon corleone the instructor with 150 to go grabbed by little bros little bros takes the lead from arkansas kid don corleone little bros it's Hayes again little bros three quarters of a length second don corleone from arkansas a bit to unpack here here, brandon but a terrific win from little bros and, and a bit to dissect from those a couple of hard luck stories behind How do you see the diamond? Probably the horse with the best run in the race was able to win it. Uh, Michael D, positive out of the gates, got to one out and two back. Nice amount of speed in front of him, and uh, he didn't really have to tax himself in getting into the clear. He never really had to break momentum. He put a a little bit of pressure on Zulfa Car to the outside just to ensure that he was getting uh, some clear air at about the 300 metres, and... uh, He's won. He's won impressively. Well-named little bros with the uh, the Hayes boys teaming up to uh, to train the winner. Um, I think he was just the horse with the right run, and Mick D was able to capitalise on it. We see Mick D coming to the fore in these big races now. He's got a cool head on him, and he thinks his way through. And it was uh, right there, uh, case in point yesterday. Don Corleone, desperately unlucky, held up for a long, long way, got shuffled back probably a little bit further than they maybe would have liked as well. But he was big when clear. Jai McNeil gave Arkansas Kid a brilliant ride from the uh, fullback defence to be held up and then find somewhere to get through and uh, and and run really, really well at the back end. Brave Halo was enormous. Never on the track. Four, five, six deep at different stages of the race were still finishing off. They can... Uh, um, Put a feather in their cap there for that run. That was huge. I thought Extreme Threat probably had the run. Jubinenko, another one that was desperately unlucky. The 100-to-1 chance we're seeing Jubinenko be really speedy previously, but they just took their medicine, went back, tried to get through, couldn't get through, could have easily won the race with uh, with better luck. And, uh, and Steel City, uh, Blake Shin... Would have been going to the line with uh, thinking what could have been. He went for a run early in the straight back to the inside. That run was quickly closed on him when the instructor rolled back down to the fence and pretty much went to the line untested. But uh, all honours to little bros. He was the right horse in the right spot at the right time. But some good runs behind Don Corleone, Arkansas kid. But I think Brave Halo was the run of the race purely just for the amount of ground that was covered. Maybe even more merit. Uh, Brad to the performance of Brave Halo that Brendan's reference, Stewart's report revealed a wound in the hind leg he requires a veterinary clearance prior to racing again, although while the adrenaline's pumping he mightn't have noticed that much yesterday Steel City held up, that was notable for, for all concerned identified in the Stewart's report and also Don Corleone held up from the 500 metres and 400 to the 200 also, so not a lot of luck for Don Corleone in Steel City Brad, your take on the diamond yeah, there's no shortage of backers that had 
something to feel a little bit hard done by out of that race. And I was on Brave Halo and um, Brendan's outlined um, how things worked out for him. That was always a possibility of happening given that he had drawn out wide. Unfortunately, they've just had no luck in either of the races they've run here in Victoria. And he wobbled around the corner a little bit after being stuck wide. But what he did do after that was he peeled off a 10.94 second 200 metre split from the 400 to the 200. So even though he'd had that wild run and he lost a little bit of balance, he was still able to do that. So even though he's missed the placings, he was one of the better runs in the race. We don't know what would have happened with Steel City. Um, Looked like she was going to be right in the finish there if that run did come to the inside. But once that closed off, we just never got an indication of whether she was going to be up to that. But you get the feeling that she was uh, going to be right there. Don Corleone, same uh, sort of thing. There was always a little bit of a prospect that he was going to be in a little bit of trouble from that inside gate. And unfortunately, that's the way it worked out. Plenty of merit to his run as well, though. I think Arkansas Kid was almost just as unlucky as Don Corleone from a, a similar sort of situation. So um, it could have very easily given the Hayes team a, a Quinella. Um, David ran the Quinella in the Blue Diamond three years in a row um, in the earlier part of this century, and the boys nearly did it yesterday. So they've done a fantastic job. Just from a, a, a barber's probably one that we need to touch on as well. Just um, seemed to race a little bit flat. Um, and I think we can say he wasn't really up to his best because he looked very good in the prelude with the promise of improvement to come from a fitness point of view. And the form out of that race did stand up with both Brave Halo and Little Bros running very well. So I think we can say he's just had an off day. That's not his best. And it wouldn't be a surprise if he does bounce back. And just from a ratings point of view, Warren, we had a, a query last week just on the way to best explain the time form ratings that I've been mentioning the past few weeks. And now t- time forms are a worldwide organisation that's been around for a long time and one of the most respected form bodies in the world. And what they do is they measure a horse's performance, not necessarily against the horses they're competing against on the day, but the clock. Um, and the, the measure takes into account how the horse goes relative to the standard of the race with a calculation including factors such as distance, track conditions, the age and the class of the race. So it's a, that's trying to just dumb it down to make it um, as understandable as possible with a, a very um, in-depth calculation system. And using the one from the Blue Diamond yesterday, Little Bros ran to a number of 114. Um, and that's the highest rating two-year-old race that we've seen so far this season. But... Not a very high rating Blue Diamond. It was slightly higher than Dormier and Lye. They both went 113. Um, and the average for the past uh, decade in the Blue Diamond is around 117, which Tag a lower run, and 118, which Artorias run when he, he ran it. So we've probably been waiting for a, a horse to really explode onto the scene um, in the two-year-old ranks. We haven't necessarily seen it to this point. Um, and there still might be something that we're looking to come later on because, like I say, that was the highest-rating two-year-old race of the season. And generally, the um, Blue Diamond form, found wanting is probably not the right term, but it's been since we've uh, seen a Blue Diamond winner go up there and win the slipper. Comments from Jamie Carr regarding Barber that... He- did not appreciate racing inside other horses, however, was disappointing. Nothing from a post-race veteran examination. I spoke to Jason Walsh from Godolphin, and he just thought maybe a little bit flat second up. And the, the slipper picture will be interesting because little bros, Don Corleone, Arkansas kid, all potentially lining up in the, the slipper and, and Steel City, who've effectively had a barrier trial 
yesterday. She could uh, she could head back up there for the Marin Eustace Stable. Now that'll be considered. So plenty to come out of the Blue Diamond, but a great result for the team. Lindsay Park, Ben and JD Hayes. Alligator Blood was back in force in the Futurity. Up around the turn at the 450. Nugget joined by Alligator Blood, who's about to get going. They leave the fence. Aegon's got a run. I'm Thunderstruck's only two lengths off them. Then Mr. Brightside. So it's Nugget. 300 metres to go. Joined by Alligator Blood. Aegon. And I'm Thunderstruck down the middle. Alligator Blood looking for a fifth group one. At the 150, led three quarters of a length from I'm Thunderstruck, who can't get there. Then Mr. Brightside. But the gate has done it again. Alligator Blood wins it by a length, Mr. Bryce. Oh, Brad, he's becoming a, a cult hero. Well, he's already become a cult hero, but he reinforced that cult status yesterday. How did you see the futurity? Uh, isn't it amazing, the story of Alligator Blood? Like, he burst onto the scene um, when, as a three-year-old, he nearly pinched that Caulfield Guineas, and then he was fantastic in the Australian Guineas. And then I think everyone pretty much suspected that we had seen the best of him and certainly didn't expect him to come out and do what he's done in the last 12 months. It's been a, a great testament to Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott and what they're able to do. And also the advantage of the way he's able to put himself into a race and um, be there when the whips are cracking at the end. Because I don't think that race yesterday panned out how many expected it. It's probably um, an example of the perils of putting too much faith in the map. We thought Alligator Blood was going to be right up on the speed and, and um, be up there like he was, but he was in second spot and Mr. Brightside was the one that was just a little bit further back than than most thought. Now, he's run fantastic to get past I'm Thunderstruck in the straight and um, he only strengthened his cases for the All-Star Mile. I was keen on Mr. Brightside yesterday and I, I, he's still the one that I think that I'll be with uh, getting my All-Star Mile vote, uh, which I will do not long after we clock off here today, Warren, but... Um, you just can't ignore uh, Alligator Blood because I had a little bit of a knock on him yesterday just because he'd missed that run in the oar. I had a little bit of a worry about whether he was going to be fit enough against the likes of I'm Thunderstruck and Mr. Brightside, who had had the run. But it just goes back to what I was talking about. Um, re what a great job Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott do. Should never underestimate any of their horses from a fitness point of view. And uh, he will probably take a great deal of benefit out of that going into the All-Star Mile as well. So uh, it was a good race uh, to watch, and it's going to be a good race to follow going forward. Aegon was okay, but he's the type of horse that I think needs a wet track to find that length or two against this this class of horse. And if he does get that in the All-Star Mile, he might be some sort of hope. We, uh, hope. we did hear Kieran Ma earlier on, Warren, when you were having a chat to him, suggest that that was not where, where he expected Nugget to be, and, and nor did John Allen. It's just the way the cards fell early, so we'll forgive him for that one. And um, the jury, oh, and first thought was the jury was to be out on my Oberon. Thought maybe he might need a softer track as well, but he did pull up with EIPH, so there might be might be a bit of an excuse there. And just an I'm thunderstruck, uh, yesterday might have been another example of the fact that he just might be that one-dimensional horse that um, needs to be left alone early to finish off because that's when he does run his best races and I'd be surprised if they, they don't sort of revert back to that in the All-Star Mile. He's polarised the uh, the audience via the SMS, Brendan. I'm thunderstruck. One little bit sympathetic. Has to be at least 1,600 to 2,000 metres. What do you think? And Craig from Keelor, I'm thunderstruck becoming a money muncher, running out of excuses for mine, Craig from Keelor. I'm a little bit torn between the two. I had a chat to Michael Kent Jr. post the race yesterday and he thought that 
Staying at fourteen hundred, uh, staying at fourteen hundred metres, he doesn't go his best around Lakeside. He's keen to get him out to the sixteen hundred metres at the Valley. But for me, he uh, he lobbed into a beautiful spot yesterday. Seemed to travel well. I thought that operation, Brendan, of getting into a more forward spot at the turn into the home straight was was going to produce the result they were after. So I'm a little bit jury out. Maybe he is looking for the sixteen hundred metres, but I don't think I could be tipping him in an all star mile off that run yesterday. How did you see it? Uh, hindsight's a wonderful thing where you, you go back and you have a look through. Warren, second up for him, says no. He's only won once second up. That was at 1,600 metres where uh, he was able to win a Maccabi Diva second up after running second uh, in a Memsey going back last prep. Prep before that was in the Futurity. He was beaten three lengths by Sierra Sioux, 1,400 metres. Prep before that, he was second up over 1,400 metres uh, was beaten by Divine Diosa around about two and a half lengths. So it probably says 1,400 second ups, not his go. Uh, third up, he was able to uh, go on and beat Tuvalu at Flemington back in July of uh, 21. That was over 1,400 metres, but he was still third up on that occasion. Third up next preparation, he ran second in an all-star mile to Zaki. Um, he was beaten a length in an Underwood third up and, you know, maybe it's just third up for him and 1,600 metres, 1,400 metres, definitely got his go. What is it there now? 1,409 starts for just the one win. So maybe he just doesn't fire at 1,400 metres. I'm not going to drop off him going to 1,600 metres. You can make cases with that, those raw stats as much as you like, but uh, there's a, a bit of a, you know, a trend there that says 1,400 second up's not good for him. Alligator Blood was tremendous. Matt and I were chatting uh, post-race. He's almost a horse you could make a movie about, isn't he? The, the early start that he had to his career... A police escort to the Magic Millions, getting a Magic Millions race taken away and then given back and uh, then bouncing back to the peak of his powers again. It's almost like a Secretariat Seabiscuit Farlap sort of movie uh, there with uh, with Alligator Blood. And he's going to give a great account of himself in the All-Star Mile as he did yesterday. Thought Mr Brightside might have been that little bit closer, but on Thunderstruck took his spot. Aegon sprinted really hard early part of the straight, just uh, peaked out at the 100. I thought he did a good enough job and maybe Nugget's not uh, the one to be leading. But all honours to Alligator Blood yesterday. He beat them hands down. But 1,600 metres next time around. Don't be surprised to see on Thunderstruck bounce back. And Mr Brightside, who races really well at Mooney Valley, get a lot closer to him. Having a bet, futures markets at this stage. It's an all-in market for the All-Star Mile. Alligator Blood, $3.50 on Thunderstruck and Mr Brightside, both $5 a win, $2 a place. If I was having a bet, I'd be happy to be each way. Mr Brightside at the $5 and $2. As you said, Brendan, he gets around the valley really well, as does on Thunderstruck, but I'm a little bit jury out on Thunderstruck, hoping for connections that he can bounce back. The other group one yesterday wound up the big nine race card at Sandown was the Oakley Plate. Zoo style approaching the 352 lengths in front of Uncommon James, followed by Asfura. IME plugs on Marine One and King of Sparta is trying to get a run towards the inside. Uncommon James and Asfura up to Zoo style. It's kicking Uncommon James in the middle. Uncommon James grabs Asfura. Uncommon James holding on and won the Oakley plate. Lofty strike up for second from Asfura, King of Sparta. Still creates a little bit of a challenge with that extended winning post watching the races and wondering when it is going to come up. Uh, Brendan, how did you see the Oakley Plate yesterday? Yeah, they were seeing saw the back of them, Warren, when they ran past us at the uh, the traditional broadcast box. But 
brave effort from Oncommon James, but what it was, it was a, a fast run race from Zoo Style, and what it proved to be were a lot of horses were at their top a long way from home, and they just couldn't finish off, which I think gives so much merit to Lofty Strike and what he was able to do coming from the back of the field. Uncommon James had that right run. Asfura winked to him, looked like she had him, but uh, he was super brave in coming back. Lofty Strike, enormous in a in a race where he was back with horses with big finishes. Yes, he was getting weight from them, but it's a handicap and it's supposed to level them up. And he was running away from horses with big finishes late. He was tremendous the way he picked them off because uh, you go back and have a look at the replay. Not too many horses have made ground here uh, from that second half of the field. Asfura was there with a chance. King of Sparta, another one that made ground. He might have had that inside advantage. Zoo Style battled okay after going hard. Star Patrol, Mick D just reported after the race he was at his top pretty much the whole way. So I think a little bit of merit for him first time in the big time to be only beaten two lengths and he was really stretching a long way from home. IME was okay. Chain of Lightning maybe a little bit disappointing back down on the inside. I thought Rockin' Horse was doing enough late, but a race where uh, a lot of these horses, Warren, were, were really stretching a, a fair way from home. And I think, we, although we've seen three Group 1s there yesterday, I think Lofty Strike was almost the run of the day, just considering how tough it was to make ground in that Oakley Plate. Tend to agree, and a great story associated with the win of, of Uncommon James, Steve O'Day, Matty Hoisted, and Ben Thompson, all of them, their first Group 1 victory. But just watching Lofty strike, I was just hoping that he could have settled a, a length or two closer, Brad, and then when he did start reeling them in, not knowing where the winning post was, I didn't know if he was going to be able to make it or not, but I think Julius Sandu and, and the team would be so proud of Lofty strike. He's going to face a, a challenge, I suppose, if he wants to take I Wish I Win in the new market to win a Group 1, but he's definitely up to, to that level. What was your take on the Oakley plate? Yeah, he's clearly going well, isn't he, Lofty? We saw how good he was in the Rubiton. Just it uh, was a different scenario yesterday. I think uh, Uncommon James, he had a little bit more ground to make up yesterday and also Uncommon James had that fitness. So he's done a great job, uh, Uncommon James, to put that bad, oh, that wide barrier out of play and take up a spot um, right up close to the speed and still be kicking on there at the end. So I don't think we can take too much away from him. I think part of the lofty strike story is Julius Sandu, and everyone's keen to see Julius win a Group 1, and hopefully that does come. But there was a good story yesterday in its own right. Uh, ben Thompson, he sort of stole the limelight straight away. The Racing.com guys were onto it about how he had been... that Well, that late opportunity arose when Ethan Brown, unfortunately, wasn't able to take the ride. And uh, Ben Thompson is a Victorian. He's a popular jockey. He's a really polished performer. He has been from the time he got his uh, his license. But also the the training duo, their first group one as well. They do a fantastic uh, job with their horses. Every time they bring them down to Victoria, they run well. And Uncommon James, the horse, he's now six from eight with two second placings. There have been excuses on both of those occasions. He's been beaten. And he looks like a horse that even though he's able to win what is a high-rating Oakley plate, he looks like he's going to be a 1,400-metre horse in time. So they've got some options with him. It'll be interesting to see where they do go over the next few months. But um, all honours with him, I think, even though there was some good runs behind. Zoo Style was one that I gave a big tick to, to, to box on and finish where he did after running them along at a, a very hefty tempo. And Rock and Horse, another one that Brendan mentioned, a mare with 58 off a setback in a race that's just slightly short of her best. She'll take good benefit out of that, I think, and, and she can be a factor in what is shaping up as an awesome new market handicap. I mentioned the ratings. Um, from a time form perspective, 
Uncommon James has gone 121 yesterday. Now, that's the same figure as Marabi last year, and they're the equal two highest since Lankan Rupee went to 125. So we thought it was a ripping Oakley plate, and the figures back that up. I better start cracking the whip on the, the other races because we've got plenty of good racing in Sydney to look at in this hour. Also, Jeff via the SMS raises a valid point, putting his analytical hat on. Lofty strike, impressive, but his racing style will cost him more than not. It'd be great. Brendan, I'll, I'll just put that to you. If uh, if Lofty could settle a little bit closer, that, that would certainly help him because he's got that turn of foot. But I suppose it's a question of whether he's that dynamic if he settles a bit closer. Yeah, you're sort of robbing Peter to pay Paul sometimes, aren't you, to, uh, to sit that little bit closer and then sometimes it just dulls that explosiveness that they've got at the back end of races, those horses that come with uh, booming finishes such as Lofty Strike. So sometimes when you do get that little bit too close, they just overdo it being closer to that speed and then uh, they, they're not quite as explosive in that last 100 metres. So, it, uh, you know, it'd be worth trying. Uh, but whether or not you want to tinker with something that, that's working pretty well as it is, uh, yeah, that'll be up to Julius and, uh, and Craig Newitt. Good day for Kieran Ma, Dave Eustace, Ethan Brown aboard, right you are. He had a picnic in front in the first. 600 metres to go. It's right you are. About a neck in front of Vow and Declare. A length and three quarters Saracen Knight as they dial it up from Midnight Blue. Then came Higher Motion on the rails and further back and made. 400 to go. Right you are. Has a very good turn of foot and at the 300 metres kick clear of Vow and Declare about two lengths away. Then came Higher Motion and Midnight Blue is making ground but right you are below the 200 metres led by about two and a half lengths to Vow and Declare and right you are. The first favourite is Home on Blue Diamond Day. Right you are. Turned off near the line. Heavily backed, and from a favourite's point of view, Brad, that just went to, to script your thoughts on the first. Yeah, there were, the multi-players would have been very happy with what they saw there. I'm sure he kick-started a lot of multis, and I love the ride from Ethan Brown there. Vaughan Declare wasn't there to just have an easy run. He, he was there to keep him uh, on his game and make sure he earned that victory, and I thought Ethan Brown just reacted quite well to... What was asked of him during the race, he, he went it along at a, a tempo that most of the others seemed happy enough with until Vow and Declare sort of ramped things up and he was able to click him up and, and put the race away early in the straight. I like the return of Vow and Declare. Um, I, I think he, his spring preparation was off the back of a tendon injury, so he took a little while to come to hand. I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case this time around, and he's probably not going to be prepared for a 3,200-metre race. So it uh, wouldn't shock me if we see him uh, perform pretty well earlier on in the campaign and get straight up in distance this time around. So I thought that was a big tick from him coming out of that race yesterday. Amade was very good after a bad start. Midnight Blue similar. Um, wouldn't be tipping them against uh, Right You Are or Vow and Declare in any races soon, but I'm sure there's a race for them down the track. I'm not, I'm not too sure what to make of high emotion. I know Kiramar was happy with that. I, I'd sort of hope to see her hit the line better, but it, it, it is interesting that they were toying up whether to resume in the Peter Young over 1,800, and they decided to go that race yesterday over the 2,100 metres. So she might have not just knocked up a little bit late, and I think... Um, uh, we can probably expect her to finish off a little bit better next time around. So certainly not sacking her, but very keen to see her next time out. Yeah, she was blinkers off yesterday first up. Saracen Knight pulling up tender on flexion in the near four fetlock. So he was probably the only one of the stayers resuming that you would have been disappointed about. And you referenced a maid who's had a warning placed on him for being slowly away. How would you see this one, Brendan? 
Yeah, uh, fittest horse, right a stage of the preparation, 54 kilos. We seen he could go forward last time. Ethan Baron went forward. Van de Clare did push him, but uh, he was just too good for him. At the back end, Van de Clare, I think, has done a super job conceding six kilos. A made okay, midnight blue okay. Just with right you are, uh, I just wonder if uh, that might be his upper limit, 2,100 metres. Uh, he was throttled right down on the line there yesterday and really clocked off really quickly. You know, Warren, just in the back of the mind, sitting there, if he's going to push out to maybe 24, uh, just the way he really backed off. If he was going to go to 24, maybe he would have rolled through the line just a, a little bit stronger than he did yesterday. I know it was a slowly run race and the like, so he probably wasn't fully tested, but just would have liked to see him roll a little bit more after the line to suggest that he's going to get a bit further. Understand what you're thinking. Um, I've, in my form analysis, quite often had a little bit of a query about Mar and Eustace trained runners getting out over more ground than I thought they were suited at, and the scorecard is embarrassingly uh, against me <laughs> in, in the doubt of Mar and Eustace doing that. So yeah, I'd probably tend to trust them, but on what we've seen from him, I, I would uh, I would probably subscribe to your view, but we'd probably both end up with egg on our face. Race <laughs> 2, the Angus Almanasco yesterday, I thought it was one of the rides of the day. Ben Mallum ran the lakeside circuit 1,400 metres on Shuffle Dancer. And they put the brakes on at the 600. Royal Merchant, the leader. Three quarters of a length to Dear Jewel, and she's lickety split out three wide. Shuffle Dancer has her back. Jenny Lala next, the inner from Adamant, then laced up heels on that three wide train from Cooldown Campania Volpe. Royal Merchant, 300 metres to go, led by a length and a quarter. Dear Jewel, Shuffle Dancer producing down the centre of the track, and then Jenny Lala, Royal Merchant, full bore at the 200 metres. Three quarters of a length in front of Shuffle Dancer, who has a fight on her hands. But she's digging in. Royal Merchant and Shuffle Dancer. Stride for stride. Shuffle Dancer gets the better of Royal Merchant and beat her. Called I third from... Building a good record. Important Group 2 victory for her, enhancing her pedigree. Yesterday, Brendan, what did you make of the Angus Armanasco? Tactically brilliant ride from Ben Mellum from an early point in the race. And what highlights it the most is the, the chopper shot. Uh, he knew exactly where Ollie was early on in the piece. He had Dear Jewel in front of him 3D. He could have easily just dragged back behind Cool Die and followed Ollie into the race. But when that opportunity was there for three wide cover, uh, he took it and he really made sure Ollie was going to be in a really awkward place on one of his main dangers in Cool Die. And uh, he never disappointed the uh, the filly. He let her roll when uh, they were coming down the hill. He was even happy to let her roll four deep. He's got such a trust in, in this filly, which we seen at Mooney Valley last time out when he waited when the, we thought he might have gone a little bit earlier than he did but tactically had it spot on he knew he had Ryan Maloney uh, Chris Parnham I beg your pardon behind him who was going to follow him on that three wide line so uh, he put Ollie in an awkward spot from the start which was always going to make it hard for his main rival to beat him and, he, and he's got a great trust in the ability of shuffle dancer I thought she was tremendous in winning yesterday Royal Merchant on the week back up gave a great side in front cool die uh, just a victim of the circumstances of of where she ended up in the run. She'll be winning next start, you would think. She was really strong through the line, but she just got put in an awkward spot. Uh, laced up heels. Uh, it was uh, an improved chase. Dear Jewel just couldn't quite finish off after doing that early work, but uh, all honours to, to Ben Ballam there. He uh, he got the tactics spot on through that first uh, 200 metres of the race, which really helped him uh, at the back end. Your thoughts here, Brad? Yeah, and, and what a progression it's been from her. She's been one that we've been talking about over the five or six weeks that I've been doing this shift here on the Sunday mornings, Warren. She's been a regular feature, and 
she just uh, keeps performing well, and now she's got up to group company and um, a deserved victory there as well. So um, well done to the team associated with her. She's now a valuable mare, and I'm sure they're going to have um, more fun with her going forward. She's she, Even though she had that wider run, I know she had cover at points, she still peeled off a 21.86 last 400 metres, which was the fastest of the race. So um, the sectional's back up. Uh, what we're talking about with her. There were some good runs, but I don't think any can seriously mount a case that they, they should have beaten her home. Called I, as Brendan outlined, was very good and uh, probably finishes a little bit closer with a clearer run early in the straight. The one out of the beat brigade that, that's sort of got to be in the jury out category now is she's a lickety split who just doesn't look like the filly that she was last spring, but she did have an excuse yesterday with um, noted in the stewards report that she had EIPH, so even though we, we've been hoping to see a little bit more of her, we can't completely sack her off yesterday, but um, we want to see something a little bit better next time out. Promising Philly shuffle dancer, building a good record, and the punters latched onto that the road to Arataki Ballet Rich form lines, giving an indication she could measure up to, to that quality yesterday, particularly against her own age group. We get to the mannerism stakes over 1,400 metres for the mares at Group 3 level. So Tarath is really starting to stack them up here at the 550. Led Barbreda by a neck. Torregina's third three wider length off them. Then came Pride of Jenny. Espiona hooked to the outside and then Forbidden City. A sprint to the post at the 400 metres. It's Tarath a length Barbreda who's under pressure. Torregine produced. Then Pride of Jenny behind them and Espiona down the centre of the track. It's Tarath. 250 metres to go. Hasn't got away from them. There's a line of them. Torregine is coming through and Espiona is getting very, very tight. Espiona Torregine from Barbreda. Espiona bounces back today. Espiona's won it from Torregine Forbidden City. Neil aboard for Chris Swaller, Brad, and some tongue-in-cheek comments, particularly on social media, that she, she won't be going back across the Murray anytime soon with that win down here. What did you make of this race? Yeah, I think they just found the right race for her down here in Melbourne. Not, it wasn't necessarily... Um, uh, a, a case of her going heaps better than Melbourne way, but in terms of the class of race that she's been contesting up in Sydney compared with what she was against yesterday, I think that was probably the main thing that was in her favour yesterday. And the other thing was small field help. There'd been, there's been some occasions in between those trips to Melbourne where she was in races in Sydney with big fields where she just had interrupted passages and, and probably made it a little bit harder for her to win. But she had a small field yesterday and she lobbed into a beautiful spot and she was equal to the task. So um, the, the thing with her is they, they probably can get a little bit more certainty around the type of track conditions she's going to deal with down here in Melbourne. So that might be another reason why she stays down here, even though she has run well on wet tracks up in Sydney. Um, the two times we've seen her on good ground down here in Melbourne, she's she's run very, very well. So, uh, yeah, I think we might be seeing more of her. Torrigine was was OK off the beaten brigade. Forbidden, Forbidden City just couldn't wind up when Daniel Stackhouse wanted to, being the, on the inside of Espiona, but hit the line well. Um, Pride of Jenny probably could have done a little bit uh, with a little bit more clear running earlier in the race. You'd imagine Barb Raider's going to benefit from the run, and I suppose we've probably got to wonder where Churras at because it was interesting to hear Damien Oliver's comments out of the All Stakes. That he suggested she was outclassed, and they dropped her back in class, and she has turned in another poor performance. So it'll be interesting to see what we do see from her um, next time out, and if maybe we've seen the end of her this campaign. Spoke to Matty Williams, Connections OTI. We're happy with the run of Torrigine and I think it will be onwards and upwards to, to Sydney and hopefully chasing a, a Group 1 up there against the Mayors. I'd give Barb Raider a tick uh, first up, prior to Jenny Ditto. And 
Brendan, I observed what I'd describe as a robust discussion between Peter Moody and Dan Stackhouse after the race, and uh, I think he was slightly concerned about Dan taking the option of going back to the fence on the inside of Espiona. Yeah, that was the downfall of Forbidden City. She was just snookered there, waiting while Espiona was building momentum. And Espiona probably had that advantage of one run under her belt compared to a couple of uh, her opposition yesterday. But she had momentum. She built it. She wasn't giving them too much of a start, which we've seen in Sydney. And she's really had to rock at home. It was a, a gentle enough speed for her to really build through her gears and uh, and go away and win the race. I thought she did a good job. Torajine, no doubt, is going to improve off that. We soon her win strongly second up last preparation forbidden city just was left marking time at the wrong time pride of jenny okay barb raider's going to improve off that Churath, i think she's better now at 1200 meters and ridden with cover i think her days of on speed at 1400 might have passed her by but we seen her win a black pearl second up over 1200 at geelong she ran well in an australia stakes over 1200 meters i think a, a, a ride with some cover and bursting late might be the way for Churath going forward Race four on the card was the Zizitive Stakes for the three-year-olds. The Mar and Eustace team were confident that recommendation would measure up coming down from Sydney. 4.50 out, Ladonsus Rouge just has a margin from recommendation Queen of the Ball, a length and a half off those they were followed by Waltz on by who's probing for a run, there's almost a run on the fence, then Wee Nessie Spacewalk producing to the middle and back in the field then Rich Fortune it's recommendation at the 200 up to Ladonsus Rouge, Spacewalk and Wee Nessie is coming through as well 100 to go, recommendation just in front, Wee Nessie coming out after it, recommendation holding on and one recommendation from Wee Nessie, Rich Fortune, Spacewalk. Dead heat for third across the line, Brendan, but Spacewalk, who forced a path and and caused a little bit of interference to Rich Fortune doing so. Craig Williams fired in an objection, and that objection was upheld. So that dead heat for third was split with Rich Fortune now running third, Spacewalk running fourth. How'd you see the Zedative? Yeah, I suppose any sort of interference when there's a dead heat counts for a fair bit, but uh, all honours to recommendation sitting up outside of the speed was uh, really a strong fight late when challenged by Wee Nessie and, and Risk Fortune Space were closing, really had to pin the ears back and dig in. I thought that was a commendable performance. Wee Nessie, I like her when she's held up for that one sort of burst at them. I know she went around a big price yesterday, but when we've seen the best of her previously, it's been uh, cluttered away and bursting through, and uh, she went back to those sort of tactics yesterday. Rich Fortune did a good job at covering ground three deep, just peaked a little bit. I thought Spacewalk was there with his chance in the 1-1. One, one. Horse that I'm not going to drop off out of the race was Sabanak. He got squeezed out at the start, which put him in a, a real awkward position. He was only getting warm through the line. I think he's one to uh, to really forget it. And Meridius as well got a long way back. He was only getting warm at the back end. We've seen him measure up uh, in Caulfield Guineas and Guineas Preludes and the like. So uh, two horses to, uh, to take take out of it uh, that were maybe a bit unlucky or just getting warm late Sevenac and Meridius going to 1400 metres but recommendation really tough on the speed Another note from the stewards report Brad worth noting, Ethan Brown was fined $750 here for not riding his mount on Sirs Rouge out to the line and, and watching the replay it's pretty evident he effectively clocks off at about the, the 25 metre mark I don't think it necessarily affected any of the placings, I think those out wide probably had the momentum but Ethan Brown fired $750, Braddon being reminded of his obligations to ride the horse out to the line. Yeah you're absolutely right Warren, I don't think it was too much of an issue there but uh, Ethan might have hoped it snuck under their guard given what else was happening in the last 400 metres of that race, I don't think there were too many shocks there that the uh, protest was was upheld with those dead heaters for third and rich fortune um, getting 
that part of the prize on its own over Spacewalk. And Brennan mentioned Seminac. That, that he was the one that I took out of the race as well because from a sectionals point of view, he's peeled off the fastest last 200 metres of the day for the races that were run on the lakeside track. There was a bit of an issue with um, stewards getting those sectional times for the races that were um, on the hillside track and also the Oakley Plate. But Sevenac went 11.13 for the last 200 metres um, in that race yesterday. He, he did catch the eye late, and he's one that we might be able to follow going forward. Race five was the Autumn Classic over 1,800 metres and one of the better-looking horses at the races yesterday, Pericles. He's a beautiful horse with Jamie Carr aboard. Got the right run to win the Autumn Classic. Acosta the front runner, 650 metres to go by three quarters of a length. The Hennessy lads were zero, stoking up wider, then six feet. Pericles save for a last crack at them as they reach the 450. Mr. Maestro is starting to strike through the field and then Ospred Rising Sun and Yasuki. So Acosta joined by Pericles who moves through on the inside. Mr. Maestro follows it through, 250 out. Pericles shot away though. Two and a half, Mr. Maestro, Acosta, Hennessy lad. Pericles with 100 metres to go, seeing it out well, is going to trot in. Pericles won at two and a half, second head bobber, Osbred Rising Sun or Mr. Maestro. Quite often we see the jocks, particularly at Mooney Valley, Brad uh, sign some goggles and, and throw it to the crowd. There was a real touching moment following this victory. Part of the presentation involved a, just a, a relatively small sash for for uh, for, uh, for Pericles and the Godolphin operation. Just noticed uh, a gentleman, young man, probably, uh, probably around about uh, 18, 17 years old in a wheelchair on the, the side of the track and uh, and he was there watching the horses. They brought Pericles over and, and gave a, a little bit of a pat to, to Pericles and he's such a good-natured horse. He coped with that really well and then the Godolphin team, part of that presentation, awarded the sash to, to, to that kid and, and his family and it absolutely made his day. It's just something that uh, they didn't have to do but they noticed the, the guy there on the, the side of the mounting yard and just great to see that and outside of that it was an outstanding performance from Pericles. Yeah and that's the, the sort of thing that that young fella's going to remember for the rest of his life and a lot of that stuff does go unrecognised and it's great that uh, we've got so many participants in racing that are willing to do that sort of stuff so well done to the team there and I think they've got a horse that I'm not sure what the intentions are regarding the Australian Guineas, but if, if he backs up, I could give him some sort of hope. Uh, they backed him up in the springtime, went from the Vars up to the 2,500 metres of the Derby, and he didn't figure there. But that's because i got serious question marks on this horse as a stayer. Um, we saw him exert a class edge over his rivals yesterday. I think with the two runs under his belt, because I think his condition just gave out over the last 100 metres first up, he was ready to go yesterday, and he put that race to bed in the space of about 100 metres. And if they do elect to back up next week, I think he can be a real chance in the Australian Guineas. Um, there were some good runs from the Beaten Brigade, but none that you would seriously mount a case to suggest they should have beaten Pericles home. I did think Mr Maestro was going to issue a bit of a challenge there at the 300 metre mark, but once he got through and got into second spot, he, he sort of... Um, just didn't make any more ground on the winner. Osbred Rising Sun was one that was very good from the back and, and Northern Barrage is another one that hit the line well, but um, Son of Churchill, I'm not sure how much further Northern Barrage might be able to get and has been up for a, a long, long time as well, but out of that race, Pericles is the only one you'd want to be taking. I'm trusting the trainer and what we see from, from Northern Barrage. I'm still going to follow. I think he might be even on a path to something like a, an SA derby. I'm not losing faith in Northern Barrage, even though he was $101 yesterday. Your thoughts here, Brendan? 
Yeah, if you're taking Northern Barrows, is a horse uh, through uh, the inside that hasn't been far away from him at Packet and Promises kept that was uh, just picking them off late back to the inside. He was under a fair bit of Froggy's urging, but uh, he was picking up getting through the line. He's still a maiden. He could go back to a 2,000 or a 2,200-metre maiden somewhere soon and uh, and pick one off. Pericles, really good, had the right run behind the speed, put them away with ease. I think with Mr Maestro, he was just chasing from so far out that he just ran out of steam. He was chasing from about the 600 by the time they got to the 200. Uh, he had been chasing for a long way and his run just sort of came to an end uh, just through the work that he did in the early part of the straight. Uh, Osbred rising some big run, three deep, no cover. Hennessy lad, boxed on okay on the speed and then uh, uh, Northern Barrage and Promises kept the two that just caught the eye for something. Well, maybe Promises kept something a little bit easier. Maybe Northern Barrage can can push on in this grade and be not too far away. But uh, there's a couple there that uh, I just spoke about that uh, could be winning something easier in the not-too-distant future. Maybe Thursday night, maybe Sunday grade, maybe even back to a midweek Wednesday or under lights at the Valley. There's going to be something there for uh, Promises kept and uh, Northern Barrage. The saddle slipping on Deny Knowledge to change the, the nature of the Peter Young stakes. We saw a good return from Steinem on the way to Australian Cup. Gold trip heading north to Sydney and Keats potentially into an all-star mile. So Deny Knowledge comes up towards the corner at the 650, leading out by five lengths. Keats is second, six lengths, New Mary and Young Verter. Then came Steinem, who starts a move to the middle of the course. Back behind those Emissary and then Shawfire. Gold Trip still second last. So Keats has got up on the inside and taken the lead at the 400 metres from Deny Knowledge. He'll sleep well tonight. The saddle certainly shifted. Emissary got to second. Steinem the outside, followed by New Mary and Gold Trip. Keats in front. Is he vulnerable? 200 metres to go. Still led two lengths to Steinem wearing it down. Followed by Emissary Gold Trip. Keats 100 to go stopping. Coming at it. Steinem with Gold Trip. They hit the line. Steinem. Steinem's won it from Gold Trip. Keats New Merian. Next in the field Emissary. Then at the Kane time he's running his perfection there. Brendan, your, your thoughts on the PDR? Yeah, Steinem, uh, I think maybe just with that uh, little bit of extra residual fitness from those runs deep into December might have just helped to draw him over the top of Keats late, who had the the run under the belt, but uh, Steinem, right horse in the the right spot, was just too strong for Keats. Gavin Bedge, good on post-race with Andrew Bensley during the coverage yesterday, just ruining the fact that there was uh, that little bit uh, where the track opened up coming off hillside onto lakeside and back down towards that inside section. Uh, No horse from the race went down there. He was just getting a little bit tired looking for the rail and wandered down there, and maybe that brought about... uh, his downfall late in the Melbourne Cup winner was the outstanding gold trip. He uh, looked as though he was no hope at the top of the straight, but he got that big action going uh, in the last 450 metres, and he was powering. Like, great to see. Uh, it's always great when you see the Melbourne Cup winner come back in such fine style. Um, Numerian was OK. Emissary was OK, maybe just uh, peeking out on the chase late. Uh, but uh, all honours to the winner. But uh, great to see gold trip back uh, and Keats, you could see him giving a good account of himself in an all-star mile. Will he win it, as Brad touched on earlier? Do you want him in your first fours? Maybe not, but uh, you, he's not going to go there and get beaten a long way. You wouldn't have thought on what he did yesterday. Not at all. And it was Group 2, Wait for Age, not a handicap yesterday. Your thoughts, Brad? Yeah, uh, it was an interesting race to watch. Um, you could tell 
when we saw that close-up shot after about 300 metres that Josh Richards was in a world of pain and was probably going to struggle to con- uh, control his horse. And um, it made for interesting viewing in the home straight as well. Steinem was the one that just stayed on the bridle for longer than others and pr- at the 300 looked like the horse that was going to catch Deny Knowledge if, if one was going to. But I was actually a little bit surprised with how close Gold Trip got on the line. I think he was the horse to take out of the race. He's on ground that is not his preferred going. So for him to do that, first up, he's going to be better over further. If they can find wet tracks with him, which there's every chance they'll do up in Sydney, I'd be surprised if he's not winning another big race before the campaign is out. Good on the team with Keats. He's run a, a bold race, been beaten a length. So it's good enough for him to be warranting a place in the All-Star Mole. Numerium was adequate and a misery, Emissary was the one that I, I think... Um, was probably a better run than looks on paper as well. Just ground to the line. But Mike Moroni said in the lead-up to that race, but he, he seems like he's come back a little bit more dour and he's more of a stayer than what he was last time in when he was winning races over 2,000 and, and 2,400 metres. So he's one that, um, with another couple of runs under his belt, can be a factor in something over over a little bit longer as well. I think a relevant factor in this race too is with the, the saddle slipping on Deny Knowledge. I mean, I think initially you'd have thought Keats and Deny Knowledge would control a modest tempo, make it a dash home, and it would have been a nice Pope opener for a, a number of the stayers. But it turned out to be more of a test, and the residual fitness of Steinem and the true staying power of Gold Trip really to the fore there. And I think that's had merits to the to the performance of Keats, who had to do that chasing from from the tearaway leader. And I agree with you, Brad, about Emissary. It probably just made it a, a bit of a tougher test first up than would have. Been been ideal but he certainly did enough time for a break on correct weight we'll be back to look at the group ones discuss the two-year-olds in sydney yesterday correct weight brought to you by tab for racing on tap download the tab app gamble responsibly gamblers help 1-800-858-858 Inside the 600 metres, Knight's Order and Mawonga. They've been at it from the start. Two lengths away to El Bodigan and a clear third, followed by Hinge. Then came Arapahoa. Animo gets onto his back and Fangirl is pinching. Good ground. Very good ground as they turn for home. It's Knight's Order and Mawonga the outside. Fangirl has to go back to the inside. Animo lets loose now and he lets go with a big sprint in the middle of the track and the super stallion Animo races to the lead and kicked away from Mawonga. Fangirl and then came laws of indices but here's group win group one win number eight for the great animo destroys them in the chipping norton fangirl second mawunga brave in slowly third, away but then far too indices, good nearly a length and a half the margin on the line brendan how did you see the big boy yesterday too good wasn't he uh did get a perfect run uh did have a, a nice speed on there for him but uh he was too good fangirl had her chance back to the inside maybe was she held up for a stride too long top of the straight i don't think she could have matched his turn of foot anyway they finally got Mawunga forward i thought he was a terrific effort because he was right up there on the speed and still battling back at the end we wanted to see him go forward in the spring he couldn't quite get there with barrier draws and the like going against him but uh he's come back in, in good order uh, laws of indices I thought closed well but uh, onwards and upwards for uh, Animo speaking yesterday morning on radio Ron Duffercy, Matt Stewart, Dan Malecki just toying around with that C word, the champion word and well he's going a long way to ticking the boxes and even what he did yesterday well, he's better than them, that's for sure. And, and he's yep. the benchmark of horses from 1,600 metres up to 2,000 metres in Australia, for sure. Hugh Bowman copped a suspension here, Brad, aboard Moonga. He rides in Hong Kong today, but then he's out and he will miss next weekend. How did you see the Chipping Norton? 
Yeah, Mawunga was the the interesting one out of the race. A- Animo did probably what we expected him to do, take care of those horses, which he's done many times before. But Mawunga was able to put himself up on speed. It's just unfortunate that it happened in a, on a day where there were plenty of others that wanted to be there as well. You'd just love to see him lob there and be able to travel at a comfortable tempo in one of these races, and then he, he might be able to put up even more of a fight. But he was the one to take out of the beaten brigade. Al Bodegon was um, uh, a bit interesting to see how he dropped out. N- not sure what to make of him because he was part of that early speed, but Moonga was able to battle on and be there fighting out in the in the placings, and Al Bodegon dropped out, so I'm not sure if there was an issue there with him. Just from a ratings point of view, Animo's gone 126 yesterday. That was the same number he ran in the Cox Plate. Um, so he's clearly come back better. He's only had the two runs. There's lofty goals down the track. So he might be able to elevate to a career high at some stages preparation. The other group one yesterday at Randwick was the Surround Stakes. And Tyler Schiller was aboard Ruthless Dame. He might have thought he bought up his first group one. Was taken out by Sunshine in Paris. Coming around the turn, North Star Lass swings in front by a link to Cinderella Days. Zoo Gotcha moving up three wide in secret. Just a little bit cluttered up at the moment. Then Ruthless Dame of Cinderella Days moved up to take the lead. Zoo Gotcha giving chase. Now in secret goes back to the inside from Ruthless Dame sticking on well. It's Cinderella Days. Zoo Gotcha in secret winding up now. In secret takes the run to take the lead. Coming home hard again as Ruthless Dame the outsider. Oh, and through the middle sunshine in Paris. Here's a great four-way go. I'm really not sure. Ruthless Dame, Sunshine in Paris, who gotcha. Thank it finished. And not a lot between the first four across the line. Sunshine in Paris did prevail and, and Brad, I think that the enthusiasm of Tyler Schiller a few strides past the post. He just thought he might have got that group one. Hopefully his time will come. How'd you see this one? Uh, Darren Flindell was quite within his rights not to have really spotted Sunshine in Paris till late there because I've never seen a group one race where a horse that I didn't think was going to figure in the placings two strides from the line, has won the race. And it was just a very fortuitous bob of the head there. Um, And it was a valuable one as well. It was the first Group 1 win for the Sire Invader. Um, And there's actually a half-brother to Sunshine in Paris by Dubious going through at the English Premier Sale. So they'd be very happy as well because uh, that result, no doubt, has increased his value. But uh, in secret thought, um, probably might have wanted a little bit clearer running at certain stages in the race, but was still there to win and has only been beaten above the head. So can't be too disappointed in that. Um, and, yeah, Ruthless Dame has run well as well. And Zoo Gotcha went there first up off a setback. So she's the one out of those ones that were fighting out the finish that probably takes most improvement out of that race. Yeah, do you see it, Brad? Ah, Brendan, sorry. Yeah, big finish. Uh, good to see Ryan Maloney uh, pick up a, a Group 1 for Annabelle Neesham. Uh, got a good ride through, as Brad touched on. Wasn't going to be in the money with 50 metres to go, and he was able to to drive her through to score. Ruthless Dame, she was enormous with that jacket on form line. Three wide again. Maybe that's just where she likes to be. She can get a bit keen, but she's done a terrific job there yesterday in secret. Just missed. Hard to be... Uh, Hard to be too negative on them when they've only been beaten bob of the head and there's four of them there. Zoo gotcha solid. I thought Revolutionary Miss was uh, not too bad just off that uh, quartet across the line that was chasing on at the back end. But uh, uh, all honours to the winner. But uh, Ruthless Dame, you think she's going to pick up a big one this time in. Corniche and Lazago taking out the respective two-year-old features. Didn't have a huge impact on the, the slipper market. Just quickly, Brad, be, before we wind up, yesterday's two-year-olds, uh, they influence your thoughts on the slipper? Well, what they've done is endorse the form lines that we've seen 
already to this point of the season. Because um, Cornish was right there in the Blue Diamond Prelude. And I mentioned earlier, the form from that race stood up in the Diamond yesterday with Little Bros and also Brave Halo running well. So that's an endorsement for the Blue Diamond form. And the Phillies form um, in the Sweet Embrace came through the Millennium, which was won by Learning to Fly, who turned in a huge performance. The first three over the line were all there fighting out the finish behind her. So I think all, all it did, one, back up the Diamond form and also backed up the form of Learning to Fly. Brendan? Yeah, uh, Corniche had the right run. Uh, the form there, it's being franked. Have I got too far into the slipper yet? Probably not to, to try and have a, an accurate uh, throw up the stumps. But uh, of the ones yesterday, uh, didn't mind uh, the effort of Lazago. Thought she was okay. Blanc de Blanc, I thought was okay. But bunch finished. Whether or not we're taking that to the slipper, I'm not sure. Brad, Group 1 racing at Flemington next week. The Australian Guineas, you, you've done your best to come up with a likely field. How's it looking? Well, I'm also trying to identify the horses that aren't going to run because we haven't had nominations for these races yet. And, of course, we've got the Ramwick Guineas on as well. Jack and Owen Legato, they're the two headline acts for the Australian Guineas. Aft Cabin's in the market, but even as late as Friday, we're hearing from Godolphin, he's running in the Ramwick Guineas. Golden Mile's going to the Canterbury Stakes. And just on that Canterbury Stakes, Imperatriz, who was initially going to go to the new market, the word now is it's going to the Canterbury Stakes. So taking what looks to be an easier option there. And one that's been in the market right the way through that's not running is perfect thought. He is being kept for Queensland by John Sargent, so you can rule him out as a contender. And Sharp and Smart's in the market, but no one really expected to run. It's running in the New Zealand Derby next weekend. Yeah, I think Jack and O through that Group 1 form line has to be the horse to beat pre-noms and, and barrier draw. But Legato, as you said, are a real wild card from New Zealand. Time for the team's runs of the day. Horses to follow. Brad, let's start with you. Look back on, on yesterday, run of the day and a horse to follow. Oh, maybe it's the journo coming out of me, Warren, and it's a bit of story of the day's influenced me here, but I'm going to give my run of the day to Uncommon James. We're pumping up the Oakley Plate. He's turned in a magnificent performance to win it, so he can get my run of the day. And I mentioned him earlier on Gold Trip. He's my horse to follow. Conditions to suit. I think he'll be winning another Group 1 this campaign. Yeah, I think you might be on the money there. Thanks for all your help this morning, Brad. Look forward to doing it on a Group 1 Australian Guineas Day next week. I can't wait for it. Brendan, plenty to come with Sunday Central ahead and a great racing 7.05 tonight in Hong Kong if you want to tune in. A rematch between Golden 60 and Romantic Warrior in the Hong Kong Gold Cup. So looking forward to that out to the 2,000 metres. What else have we got coming ahead other than the preview for, for that meeting on Sunday Central? Yeah, we also see the uh, the second heat of the second round of, if you like, of the three-year-old series leading towards the derby at Hong Kong this evening as well. So big program coming up there. Tom Wood will join us to go through that. Kay Glenn Ingram's going to join me to preview the program of racing at Ballarat. Uh, one of the Noonans, I think it's Nick, will be along for a look at the uh, program at uh, Tarang with the uh, high with ho- the high weights and the like uh, there uh, this afternoon and. Uh, also, uh, a look at the Horsham Cup program. Big wrap of the Greyhounds last night with the Australian Cup and the Fandabale Super Stayers Series taking place at the Meadows. George Ferrugia will give us a full wrap of that as well as find us all the winners at uh, Sandown Park this afternoon. Plenty to look forward to. Might even be Dave Noonan jumping in the chair to do that preview today. <laughs> How do you wrap up yesterday? Uh, run of the day... 
I, he got beat, but I'm going to give it the lofty strike in the Oakley Plate. I thought that was a tremendous performance in a race where nobody made ground. Uh, horse to follow for mine, I think uh, Sebenak is the one I'm going to uh, follow. We might get a price about him again, 1400 next time out, hopefully around Flemington. Uh, some clearer room at the, at the start is going to help him go a long way to winning next time out. Great work, Brendan. Looking forward to a busy couple of hours on Sunday Central. Thanks, Warren. My run of the day was toss-up between Animo and Alligator Blood. I settled on Animo. I thought after being slowly away, that was a terrific performance. Run of the day for me, Animo in Sydney, and agree with Brad Bishop. Horse to follow, gold trip. That run under the belt, up to Sydney. Ran vet and some sting out of the ground in Sydney. If he gets that, he's going to be hard to beat. Takes us out for correct way.